Hello and welcome to Plot Points Podcast. Sorry this is late to drop, but life does happen. I'm joined today by author-screenwriter Christopher Styers, and along with our top 10 adapted-to-screen movies, I do a profile of Alvin Sargent and answer your screenwriting questions. This is Plot Points Podcast. This is Mark with Plot Points Podcast. I'm here with my good friend Chris Styers. Hi, Chris. Hello, Mark. What do you uh, What have you been uh, watching lately? Anything uh, you want to report on? Well, uh, I'm with the millions of other people watching the last episodes of Games of Thrones, and tonight's oh. the final episode. It's been intriguing seeing how many people think. Everything that's happened has been forecast and foreshadowed mm-hmm. earlier in the seasons, and the other people that just hate it. Yeah. Boy, there's a lot of people not- who who think this eighth season is the worst season ever. Oh, it. Uh, according to IMDb, the, uh, the episodes this season are the lowest rated of any season Mm. well you know let's uh, let's just make a let's just give the writers some props i mean of course you know it was funny it was funny i saw a meme the other day that said the writers of game of thrones are suggesting that if you don't like this season write your own series uh you know which is i mean eight seasons uh yeah boy that's a lot of writing especially as deep and uh, divisive as Game of Thrones can be, that that's really yeah. an incredible accomplishment. Um, oh, yeah. And you and I know how difficult endings can be. Mm-hmm. has to be inevitable but unpredictable. Right. Yeah, I, um, I remember watching the final season of um, Sons of Anarchy, and yeah. I really don't know how else they could have ended it based on thematic overlays of the character. Cause toward the yeah. end of the, uh, toward the end of that series, Jax Teller got really ultra violent and very arbitrary in some of the things he did. He uh-huh. became, he became everything a motorcycle, uh, outlaw motorcycle gang would be. And yeah. uh, so the ending wasn't to my liking, but it was definitely part of what I think the writers were trying to say about, you know, how that that uh, culture corrupts you. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't don't say anything, anything more because I haven't seen I've, that. I think I'm okay. still at the Red Wedding. So, uh, but. Oh, uh, OK. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I'm I'm watching uh, I'm watching Newsroom um, and oh, you watch it reruns of newsroom that was a good show it was really 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 good um what what was interesting is how it evolved over the i think i'm in the third season which is the the final season but it was interesting how it evolved uh based on some criticisms that aaron sorkin had gotten regarding you know his quote-unquote speechifying and and lecturing and yeah so but uh, oh but in the premiere episode, the uh, oh, yeah. opening monologue that, uh, oh, God, who's the actor? Jeff Daniels. Playing the main character gave. I mean, if you aren't hooked at that 
point, you're, you're, you're never going to be. Right. The actor's Jeff Daniels, by the way. Just so. Yes. And he's going to be Atticus, Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, which I just read they're remaking. So it's going to be interesting. Oh. But, uh, yeah, oh. I don't. I don't know if we need another To Kill a Mockingbird, but I can't think of a better actor to carry that role forward uh, after yeah. Gregory Peck. So, yeah, certain movies. When the, I mean, I can understand remaking a movie that didn't quite fulfill the potential, but rewriting one that is near perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, why do that? I mean, they have done that before, and you uh, you scratch your head, going, "Huh? Yeah. Why did they? Why?" Well, I don't, I don't, I think those are two separate arguments. I think a, a movie of its time, done in its time, like To Kill a Mockingbird, is uh-huh. is just a masterpiece. But it's not yes. necessarily. It was black and white. It was, you know, the old. It was a much different um, uh, era. I don't know what they're going to do with it, but um, I, I think that there it'll be interesting to see. It, it may or may not yeah. be successful, but I'm I'm always happy to see somebody try to update. So, um, yeah. Are, well, it's like uh, the old John Ford western, if they were still making westerns, "The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance." Mm-hmm. If they remade that, the first thing they would they would need to do is make the main characters closer to the age that they should have been in the story other than the age of Jimmy Stewart and John Wayne. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They, I mean, really, you think that's the biggest issue in remaking Liberty Valance? Why would that be? Well, it's just they, those characters felt too old for the parts they were playing. Mm. I, I would, I, w- I have a di- I would disagree. I don't think and that never ever occurred to me that that age was an issue. Because, yeah. I mean, are you saying they should be younger um, or yeah. older? Younger? Yeah, younger because it was like the Jimmy Stewart character. He just graduated from law school, mm. and you know he's in his forties. Yeah, but, like, uh... well, I think I can overlook uh, that minor issue. Com- uh, given the, how wonderful that film, it never really occurred oh. to me that there was an issue with uh, yeah. with age. And okay. I like the idea that they're a little bit older because of the the theme of it, which is the transition from the old west to a newer, uh, a new yeah. west, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah. Anyway, anyway, I want to move on. Um, are you working on anything? Well, I'm still working on my adaption of my novella into the screenplay, mm-hmm. and that's been challenging because of the difference in the two mediums. But uh, I think I'm getting there. Uh-huh. Okay. And other than that, I've still got another novella that I need to write the ending for, mm-hmm. and uh, then I need to get started on my third of my paladin trilogy i need to get it started well what are you doing talking to me you should be working you should be writing yes i, I was this morning <laughs> good yeah i'm uh i'm finished i'm gonna i think um my plan is to finish my revolutionary war script uh this month so good yeah well it's good because i'm at 100 i'm at page 184 so if i don't finish it i'm gonna end up just writing it for the rest of my life i mean this may be my lord of the <laughs> This may be my Lord of the Rings. Uh, so. Yes. 
but uh, I'm, I, I did some work on it yesterday, and uh, I'm dying to get back to it, um, so I'm probably going to finish it up, hopefully, uh, what's today, the 19th? Yeah, I, I mean, it's only another 15 pages or so before, uh, Yeah. so I picked a, I picked a turning point, uh, someplace I want to go, and then I'm going to scroll the rest. Let's talk a little bit. We, you and I had talked before the podcast about, um, by the way, this is Plot Points Podcast. I'm Mark Sevy. I'm here with uh, author, screenwriter, all-around good guy, Christopher Styers. He has a, uh, his brand new website is ChristopherStyers.com, which you can find um, by going to ChristopherStyers.com. Um, also, uh, Chris is, uh, you know, a published author, uh, so you can find him on Amazon. He has an Amazon page. Just look for Christopher Styers, S-T-I-R-E-S. And we are part of, uh, Orange County Screenwriters Association. That's ocscreenwriters.org. Uh, and you can find us there. Um, and also this is plotpoints.com. You can find us there. 919 scripts is the phone number to call if you want to yell at us or, or congratulate us for being such witty, uh, urbane uh, screenwriters, or whatever you want to say. So, um, so Chris, we talked in a little bit. You and I came up with a kind of a a, a top ten list, but we also limited this to with some specific rules. Um, so we we wanted to do our top ten best adapted movies, but we didn't want it to be anything like a biography. And what was the other rule we came up with? Uh, uh, no plays. No plays, right. Okay. So I don't know about you, but I found this particularly difficult. Um, I came up with like 20 immediately. <laughs> and so yeah. I, I narrowed it down to 10. But I also, one of the things, maybe the rules we should have said is no TV shows, because I wanted to put in uh, the, the TV adaptation of Sherlock Holmes starring uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, which I think is... Uh one of the most marvelous yeah. things. So, so I cut that out. I cut out game of Thrones. I cut out a whole bunch of them, but uh, what'd you come up yeah. with? So Chris, what'd you come up with? First is Stephen King's the dead zone. Okay. And then I found myself going to another adaption from a graphic novel by the director, David Cohenberg, who did the dead zone called a history of violence. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was good. And next, I have Slumdog Millionaire. Oh, wow. What is that an, uh, an adaptation of? Of a novel called oh. Q&A. Okay. And then another novel adaption that I just really enjoy <laughs> is called The Silent Partner. Okay. It was with Elliot Gould and Christopher Plummer playing 180 degrees from his part in uh, Sound of Music. Huh. Okay. He is a great villain in that one. Okay. And next, I had the uh, the NASA movie Hidden Figures. Oh God, that's a novel. Yeah, that's great. Gosh, darn it! Yeah. Go ahead. And then I've got uh, Ian Fleming's Casino Royale. Okay, obviously the Daniel Craig one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right, not the Woody Allen one, right? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, and the next was another from 
graphic novels, one of my favorite superhero movies, which is Captain America, the first Avenger. Okay. Okay. And then at the number three spot, I've got Lord of the Rings. Mm. Excellent. And then, uh, pardon? Uh, excellent, yeah. And then at number two, I have Jaws. Jaws. Yeah, for me, that wouldn't be on my top 10 list, but certainly would be one of my top 20 at least. Yeah, definitely. It yeah. changed the, the entire history of film, obviously. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then at the number one spot, I have The Godfather. Mm. Yeah, I think it's hard to leave Godfather off of anybody's uh, list. That's on. It's. I think the only movie that you and I um, uh, overlap is Godfather. So um, yeah, yeah, that was amazing. And that was Francis Ford Coppola <clears throat> adapting Mario Puzo's novel, which uh, we did. Coppola. We did a retrospective of Coppola. I think it was last last podcast. So yeah, uh, for me, it's a. Uh, you know the like things like hidden figures, and I just thought when you mentioned hidden, hidden figures, I just uh, remembered. Um, oh God, uh, that I didn't put it on the list. October Sky, which was one of my fa- favorite movies, yeah. and that was adapted from <coughs> excuse me from a biography of the NASA engineer who whose life it was it was portrayed. Homer Hickam. Yeah. And that's not on my list, but damn, damn, I love that movie. So, all right, I'll just go through mine. These are the ones that came to mind. I started with Silence of the Lambs, okay. um, The Godfather, definitely. Uh, a favorite of mine, uh, based on a uh, not a as well-known comic book, is The Rocketeer. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, fir- the first Superman, Christopher Reeves, uh, Superman. Yeah. Uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Swedish yeah. version. The Swedish oh version, the original. God, yeah. Great. yeah. Uh, one of my probably one of my one of my top five movies, The Natural, with uh, Robert Redford. Oh, yeah. Um, Blade Runner, uh, which is based oh. on the Philip K. Dick uh, novella, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Yeah. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, which. Oh, okay. Now that's a play, but it was also a book. I thought. Um, so oh, I left. Was, I, yes. Yeah. Kevin Kersey. Uh, one of his, it was one of his Keith, novels. Yeah, Keezy. isn't it Keezy? Ken Keezy? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, and then we, you and I, I'm surprised this didn't make your list because you and I had talked about the movie In Cold Blood, which I I also thought was just a fantastic film, uh-huh. written by um, Truman Capote and starring a yeah. very young, um, uh, oh God, Beretta, uh, Robert Blake. Mm, yeah, Robert Blake. Scott Wilson. Right. But, you know, then I get into it and I think of, you know, True Grit, To Kill a Mockingbird, The Wizard of Oz, MASH, L.A. Confidential, No Country for Old Men, Catch Kids 22. I mean, yeah. wow, there's just so many great movie adaptations. And, you know, we, we say the book isn't as good or the movie isn't as good as the book or the, the, or the play or the comic book or whatever. But these movies that, that, we, that you and I just looked at are some fantastic some fantastic oh. films, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, well, I left off my list, Die Hard and The Born Identity. Oh, yeah. Well, and The Verdict for me, which is based on the, oh, big, yes. the big clock. Yes. Yeah. Born Identity, absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Wow, you we could probably do a top uh, what 50, 75, 100. <laughs> 50, 100, yes. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's a good list. And and if you haven't seen some of these older movies like uh, Cold Blood or uh, you know uh, the, the History of Violence or The Dead Zone, I you know really and truly, I, it's funny to me. I'm you know I teach uh, script writing, I teach intro to script writing, and also uh, intermediate advanced script writing. And it's a, it's stunning to me that the students in my intro class, some of them, you know, pr- not not young, uh, but certainly not old, but they have not seen some of these movies. It's it's amazing. I keep telling them, yeah. you you have to know these films. No, well, you don't have to know these films because sometimes the meetings you do are with teenagers. But um, yeah. you, you know, you should you should avail yourself of this. There's there's no excuse now for not seeing some of these films because there's so much streaming available and yeah. Amazon carries almost all of these films for, for, you know, two ninety nine or three ninety nine. They're, they're well worth the, uh, the, the investment. Well, that's a, that's a great segue into the profile that I'm doing this week of Alvin Sargent, because that's what he was very much known for. Okay. Okay, so in today's world of multiple dozens of comic book films opening all year long to multi-billion dollar box offices, it seems a little surprising to remember that when Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man came out in 2002, there were only a half a dozen successful comic book movies at the time. Although there were four writers on the film, Academy Award-winning scriptwriter Alvin Sargent was hired to polish the script and dialogue, especially between Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson. All the writers agreed to gave, give David Kep credit for the script, which is an amazing thing in and of itself. But there is no doubt that Sargent's insightful work gave the movie its incredible heart and made it the success it was, earning a record $100 million its first weekend. That was at the time. Mm-hmm. Born in Pennsylvania as Al- Alvin Supowitz, Sargent dropped out of high school, joined the Navy, and then began writing for television for such shows as Route 66, The Alfred Hitchcock Hour, The Naked City, and the groundbreaking medical show Ben Casey. Films followed such as Gambit, The Stalking Moon, The Sterile Cuckoo, I Walk the Line, and the effect of Gamma, Ray- Gamma Rays on the Man in the Moon Marigolds, which began to build Sargent's legend. But it was the Depression-era drama Paper Moon, based on the novel Addie Prey, starring Ryan O'Neill and his young daughter Tatum, that really made people pay attention to Sargent's work. Tatum O'Neill's role as Addie earned an Oscar, becoming the youngest winner at age 10 in the history of the Oscars, still to this day. Paper Moon was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, didn't win, but Alvin Sargent won a a Writer's Guild Award for the script. Paper Moon was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, although it didn't win, and, but it did win Sargent a Writer's Guild Award for the script. More awards followed Sargent. He won Academy Awards for the Adapted Screenplay for Julia, based on Lillian Hellman's memoir, Pentimento, and Ordinary People, based on Judith Guest's novel. In the latter part of his career, besides his work on the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, Sargent also penned Spider-Man 2 and 3 and did the rewrite on The Amazing Spider-Man, which starred Andrew Garfield in a reboot. The Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies were all produced by super producer Laura Ziskin, who was also Sargent's life mate until her death. Sargent's work on Spider-Man was universally praised, infusing a true humanity into the big-budget offerings and giving us the human aspects of the supernormal men and women. Traits and aspects of characters that most comic book movies writer, comic book movie writers religiously follow today. Now, this is what a superhero movie should be, critic Roger Ebert extolled. Spider-Man believes in its story in the same way serious comic readers believe 
when the adventures on the page express their own dreams and wishes. It's not camp, and it's not nostalgia. It's not wall-to-wall special effects, and it's not pickled in angst. It's simply and poignantly a realization that being Spider-Man is a burden that Peter Parker is not entirely willing to bear, end quote. Sargent's work spanned episodic TV features. It included comedies, drama, farce, comic books, crime. He wrote on spec. He wrote adapted, just about anything you can name. He was probably Hollywood's most versatile writer. He wrote or did work on A Star is Born with Barbara Streisand, Nuts, also Streisand, Dominic and Eugene, a fantastically underappreciated movie starring Tom Hulse and Ray Liotta. Did you ever see Dominic and Eugene? No, I haven't. It's, it's really, really good. The Electric Horseman starring Robert Redford, Other People's Money, What About Bob, Hero with Dustin Hoffman, and Unfaithful with uh, Richard Gere and Diane Lane, among others. Sargent had 43 writing credits and features in TV, including a yet unproduced film called Miami Heist to star star Jordan Peele in 2020 when he passed away at the age of 92 on May 9th, 2019. He was basically writing up to the moments of his death. Now, that's how a writer should go. That's how I'd like to go. Sargent, the master of character nuance, was humorously quoted as saying, when I die, I'm going to have written on my tombstone, finally, a plot. So, what do you think? Alvin Sargent, uh, American Genius? Yes. Yeah. It's hard to argue that, right? There's no way to argue it. Yeah. Um, He wrote, I mean, I I remember the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. I remember being how how entranced I was by uh, the the main character's love story and how tender and beautiful it was. Um, And that goes to your point about characters in comic book movies having real you know, real lives, real nuance, uh, as opposed to just fighting the bad guys and stuff. I also, uh, he wrote the story for a Dustin Hoffman movie called Hero. Right. I guess he didn't do the um, screenplay, but it's got an intriguing premise. Right. I mean, some lowlife guy rescues a bunch of people from a crashed airplane and somebody else takes his place mm-hmm. who is more camera friendly and stuff. And that's an intriguing premise. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, I wasn't as, uh, <clears throat> I was a little underwhelmed by hero, although I liked it a lot, but some of his other, like paper moon, just a great oh, movie, ordinary yes. people, you know, uh, just incredible. Well, there's a big, there's a big to do currently that, Ordinary people shouldn't have won that year, that there's another film that they feel should have won. But there was no uproar at the time. Mm. Well, there's always an, when, there's always controversy about Best Picture. Come on. We just yeah, had but, with Green Book. And Sergeant, um, I, you know, I didn't know much about him when I started the profile, but I'm glad I, I did the profile because I really have an appreciation for somebody that versatile who can go from something like Julia and ordinary people yeah. to something like Spider-Man. Um, yes. I find that really outstanding. Um, so uh, to me, that's the, the nature. It, we, we tend to get pigeonholed in Hollywood, especially. And uh, it's nice to know uh, that there are writers who were able to break through that, uh, that, that sort of narrow confines of who what they're known for um, right so, 
All right. So uh, do we have uh, any questions or anything to, because we're going to wrap this up here in a minute or two. Any questions? Okay. Yeah. I I have one for aspiring screenwriters. Since we were talking earlier about endings, Mm -hmm. when you start your screenplay, do you have to know the ending? Yes and no. You you need to kind of know where you're heading. And I'm sure you could answer this question as well as I. What I know about my ending is because I know where my where I want to take my character. I also know generically where my ending is going to go. What is, what what is going to be the result of this character's adventure should be part of your ending. Uh, yeah. So in let's say on on this revolutionary war script I'm working on, I knew where kind of generically I wanted to head because of the events of the Revolutionary War. What I didn't know was exactly, and I still right now don't, I'm only 15 pages away and I still don't know exactly where I'm going with this, but I do know what I want to say about my character. So I'll probably end up working in the most dramatic moment I can to illuminate that transformation or that recognition um, in my character. Um, on the pilot that I just finished, I, I had a, a generic idea. Obviously, with the pilot, you don't want to resolve your ending. You don't want to make it so it's absolute. And so I knew I had to roll into something different that's going to keep people wanting to see episode two or to read the second script or whatever. So I, I kind of knew... I knew that, and I went into it with uh, the idea that whatever I did, I was going to have to turn my character's world upside down, which I, which I came to a great uh, conclusion about, I think. But it had everything to do with the first, the, the opening scene. So I had already written the opening scene a couple weeks ago, and it played right into my ending. So I think the thing is, is as long as you know what you want to accomplish with your character, you can head for your ending in the script because the plot. So there's two things. There's a plot. <clears throat> there's your character arc. Uh-huh. The, plot is, the plot is what's going to satisfy, um, you know, the people who want to see the heist pulled off or the guy, the bad guys captured or the good guy winning. And then the character arc is going to, is going to make the resonance for the rest of the, uh, for the rest of the audience and give people a reason to recommend your movie. So I think you need to do, know both, but only generically. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think you're right. You need to have a basic idea of where you're headed for the mm-hmm. characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, at in an action or a suspense movie, you know the climax is going to be when the good guy and the bad guy do their final thing. Right. But you don't have to know the specifics. Yeah, that's that can my... come to you. you yeah. That, you can come to as you're working on it. Right. And I, and I, I think even if you know your ending, uh, and I, I'm sure you've experienced this and all the stuff you've written, even if you know what your ending is going to be specifically, a lot of stuff changes as you're working on your, uh, your project. Yes. And I don't know how many times I've typed fade out and then, you know, gone and taken a shower or went downstairs to get something to eat. And all of a sudden it occurs to me, that's not my ending, uh, but it's close to it. It's something yeah. in the direction I want to go. So, um, yeah. so no, I don't, I, I think 
the way I teach structure, there's inevitable, like you said earlier, there's an inevitability, but not a predictability to where you're going with your character and your plot. Right. And I think be flexible and, you know, allow that to happen. And I think you can do that even if you're doing an adaption of another work. Hmm. Interesting. Because, you know, uh, Goldman talks about when he adapted the movie Absolute Power from the book. Mm-hmm. And how he had to change. Movies are different than books, and how he had to change uh, certain things that happened and certain pivotal events in the book to make the movie work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the the book, The Big Clock, was adapted to the movie The Verdict, and I don't uh-huh. think it has anything in common with the way the book uh, rolls out. It it felt like Mammoth looked at the book and the concepts and said, this is what I want to accomplish with my character. And then he went toward that, that, but he also made, I thought a really good ending uh, plot wise. So uh, anyway, that's an interesting discussion. I think we may have talked about endings before in a previous podcast, but I think it, it, it bears uh, revisiting, on uh, on various occasions because those are they are hard. Our endings are very hard. They're they're one of the harder things I think we do. Um, I yeah. I tell my uh, my students all the time, screw up everything, but make sure your ending works, because when people turn your if, as long as they've read to the end, if they're disappointed by the ending, that's the last impression they're going to have of your of your work. So make sure yeah. your ending is as strong and as compelling as possible in order to make that sale or to at least be, get people to, uh, to give you a call and say, let's do a meeting. So, yes. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap this up. Um, this is plot points podcast. You can find us at plotpoints.com on iTunes on, um, a, a bunch of like stitcher and, and, um, a bunch of places on the internet. Um, my, Host today was my friend Chris Styers. Thank you, Chris, for uh, for sitting in with me. Thank you for inviting me again. It's always a fun time. Yeah, I enjoy it too. Uh, Chris is um, has a website called ChristopherStyers.com, and he's also on Amazon. He has a an author's page there. You can avail yourself of some of his wonderful novels. Um, he and I do collaborate once in a while on scripts, but uh, not recently. But uh, we we have had some minor success with it in the past. So. Um, you know, a writer is a writer is a writer, and uh, Chris certainly proves that point because um, he's a terrific novelist but also a terrific screenwriter. So thank you again, Chris. Thank you. All right. Thank you. So for everybody at the Orange County Screenwriters Association uh, and PlotPoints.com, this is Mark Sevy. Do uh, As I say at the end of all of my podcasts, be inspired, do good work. <laughs>